from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Reader's Serial Fiction Show. Today, we've got a horror adventure by Craig Strickland called The Logic Fear Summit. Join Scary Stories for Sleepovers author and active HWA member Craig Strickland on a horror adventure at a very haunted mountain hunting lodge. Each diverse local tells newcomers Kelly Allen, 18, and her ex-cop father, Ed, a nasty, unique nightmare. You know the kind. Shadow people, black-eyed kids, a Japanese teke-teke. The very recounting of these grim stories seems to awaken something, and people start vanishing. Then Kelly realizes she may be the key. Craig is married with two grown kids. He takes advantage of the California seasons, body surfing at the coast, inspiring the town San Malo in Seven Clocks, and hiking in the mountains of Big Bear, general setting for both falling off the mountain and the lodge at Fear Summit. And now, a sample of the lodge at Fear Summit, episode one. Dusk. The old man, the late teen woman, and the dog pause at the final bit of pavement. A chill breeze hums through the pines and oaks. The undergrowth occasionally rustles. Once, from deep in the forest, comes the small echoing thump of what might be a large fallen pine cone. In the space of a few hours, these three have walked the limits of the tiny mountain town. The humans tell one another they've been exploring, getting their bearings, having an adventure with their dog. The truth is, they have been trying to walk off a common grief. Each had hoped that simply being here in this town, on this mountain, might help bring closure. So far, it hasn't. Before them, two links of chain dangle a few feet off the ground. It's joined by a padlock in the middle. Beyond the chain, the road continues as a wide dirt trail, coated thinly with snow. It leads uphill into the shadows, where the woods grow deeper still. Neither of them knows it, but a building waits for them up there. Kelly. She stands on the last bit of asphalt, The wind shushes all around. It's hard to take her eyes off that winding, bone-colored road trailing off between the ranks of pines. Yeah, she thinks, could be anything lurking in those shadows. Pretty much time to end this hike, Dad. But no, he steps over the low chain and stands on the other side. Then makes an old-school gesture with his flashlight, like, Come on in, Kelly, the water's fine. So we're going to trespass, she asks in a low voice. Led by a cop who retired just six months ago and should know better? These are the first words either have spoken in half an hour. It's so not good. Not what she had in mind at all when she agreed to come up here with him. Dad doesn't respond and Kelly tunes into his huffing and puffing. God, he's still trying to catch his breath. She squints over in the dimming light. Since it happened two months ago, her 65-year-old father's looking that old. Chalky skin, whitened up hair, 
He's lost serious weight, too. Bang. Instant old age. Makes her sad every time she looks. He reaches over the chain to pet Moose, their German shepherd, who still stands on the asphalt with Kelly. I don't see any no trespassing signs, do you? He replies at last. It's probably chained for local pedestrian access only. So are we locals now, Dad? Temporary locals, I guess. She holds up her phone. The map I saved called this Summit Road. It must dead end at that freaky mansion or whatever it was we saw from down below. So that's our goal? That would complete our big walking tour of Shadow Pine, like we discussed. He couldn't be more than another half mile. But Kel, it's all forest from here on. I'm not going to push it. Do you still feel up for it? He waits, panting a little. I guess. Kelly pauses, staring ahead at the tree-fringed road. In their last session, even her therapist, Dr. Rubin, said a few walks where the wild things are might be exactly what she needed. Then, of course, he'd repeated his little saying for her. Avoid it, fear grows. Face it, fear goes. Promise a fire when we're back at the cabin, she asks. And hot tea? Deal, her father says. He reaches over the chain and unclips Moose's leash. Can we trust him off-leash? Seems like the perfect place to find out. We're not going to see cars out here. It's Southern California, but you wouldn't know it. The air's like Arctic. She tugs her ski cap over her ears. I didn't even see cars on the streets, or like barely any. You think people actually live here in this town? We'll be here a few days. I suppose we'll find out. Ed shines his flashlight down so Kelly can make out the chain. The links cast strange twisty shadows on the cold earth. She steps over onto the dirt road and looks back. It's weird. Moose does not follow. He stands his ground on the pavement, staring warily ahead. Dad sharply calls out, Fuss! It's the German word for heel. Moose, who responds only to German commands, it's a police dog thing, finally slips under the chain. He takes his place in a position of focused healing, right up against his master's side, looking up for the next directive. Then... Led by Dad, they all start crunching along the earth and pine needles and mounds of snow. Before we talk to our author, let's talk about Pro Writing Aid. And I just got their email about all their updates that they've done this year. And one I didn't know about and I'm excited to use is that you can collaborate with your authors just like you do in Google Docs. Right in Pro Writing Aid, you can collaborate with other authors or beta readers. They can leave you comments right in Pro Writing Aid, which just like... I need you to tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. So it just cuts down on like another step. So right in the Pro Writing Aid, you can just go right in it. You can leave comments the same way you would use them in Google Doc. So I'm going to explore more into that because I just... Yeah, I just found out about that. So I'm like, that is really 
amazing because I use beta readers and I collaborate with other authors. So just, you know, keeping everything in one place, which is awesome. Definitely. Especially like I'm thinking about this, not only in collaboration, but also for like editors or if you have, you know, different people that are looking at your document, like this is just a fantastic way of just adding in a little bit more usability and collaboration. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So don't forget, check out ProWritingAid.com. Use our discount code SERIAL20. S-E-R-I-A-L-20. All right. So we've got Dark Woods, a sudden drop in temperature, a spooky house that mysteriously appears. And this definitely feels like the start to a classic horror story. So what inspired you to write this spooky tale? Okay. I, uh, I like the horror genre. Actually, I like quite a few different genres. And uh, I, one book I've always loved is The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. And, you know, haunted house books are kind of a dime a dozen, but if they are done right, it's, they're really a fun trope. I just love it. So what I thought I would do is to create a haunted building in a forest and then be able to introduce all of my other favorite horror subgenres connected with it. So I just kind of ran wild with the concept and uh, that's basically how I started out and kept going. I love that. So you mentioned uh, Shirley Jackson. What other media from books to movies do you pull your ideas from? Um, well, you know, the, the classics, uh, The Exorcist, uh, the, the guy that wrote, uh, left the right one in, Lin, Linfist, I think he's Swedish. I just read his uh, book, Harbor, which is excellent. That guy's just really good. Uh, of course, Stephen King. Uh, I like Dan Simmons quite a bit. Dan Simmons does a, a sort of historical fiction perspective, and then he puts a supernatural twist on it. So uh, his book, The Terror, is excellent. And uh, Robert McCammon's uh, Boy's Life is one of my favorites, too. So there's a little smattering of uh, books, anyway, that I've enjoyed. One more little thing. You asked what inspired me, Christine. When I was a kid, Lon Chaney Jr., I was already a big fan of his because I uh, loved those Hammer and Universal movies. He was the one that played the Wolfman, Frankenstein, the Mummy, you know, all the Dracula, even in some of the films. He moved in across the street from me. He was, uh, and I became his lawnmower because I was an early teenage guy at the time. So that kind of sunk into my psyche, and I have a feeling it kind of led me to uh, enjoy that, the horror genre, too. So let me follow up on that. Did he, your interactions with him mowing his lawn, did he have any influence on your love of horror? Did you interact with him at all about that? I've got a little write-up on her on my website. It's craigstrickland.net. And uh, basically, he had a little postage stamp-sized lawn, and I would do it with a push mower. And he'd always watch me. He was very tall, and he had a craggy face, and he had a, a deep, intimidating voice. He would watch me mow the lawn. And after I'd finish, every time... He, would, he wouldn't have said a word until the end, and he would hold out some money, and he would say, good job, boy. Always scared the heck out of me. I still love that memory. Excellent. A little, a little terrifying, but excellent memory. Oh, sure. Absolutely, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I'm curious about this house. What feature of this house are you really excited for listeners to get to? Or because you mentioned diving into those subgenres of horror, what subgenre are you really excited for listeners or readers to uh, to hear about? So the basic concept I had was that we as humans each have our own individual fears and terrors. And some of them are, you know, the supernatural kind. Some of them are phobias. Like me, I have kind of a fear of heights. And then there's the whole uh, paranormal genre where people claim that, you know, these are things that have actually happened. So I kind of I kind of jumped into everything that has interested me along all of those lines. I thought, well, look, we've got a little town beneath this lodge, which is on the summit. It's called Shadow Pine. And everyone in the town at one time or another goes up and visits this lodge, even though they're warned against it. And after they visit it, they start to be haunted by their own personal worst fear. So this gave me carte blanche to create a, a town that's very multicultural and inclusive. And I also was able to pull from different cultures. I have one a Japanese girl, for instance, in the town because I wanted to bring in some of the horrible Japanese horror tropes like the yokai, slip-mouthed woman, and teke-teke, and some of these just bizarre off-the-wall ones. Of course, I've got the you know, the usual in there, I try to do twists on ghosts, vampires, werewolves. And then we've got the regular phobias that people have. There's fear of snakes, there's fear of dolls, there's fear of clowns. I was able to address each one of those. So tried to have fun with each character and figure out personality traits that might lend themselves to them interacting with their worst fear up there. So that was how I started out. That's not the whole arc of the characters, but it's uh, it's what got me going. Nice. So speaking of people's fears, Kelly suffers from PTSD. Yes. And uh, you represent that well in episode three. What made you decide to represent a character with this disorder? Um, Kelly and her dad, Ed, are the anchor characters. It's a very, it's a long serial and there are many characters introduced we always keep coming back to them. So they have the most complete arcs. And I wanted Kelly to start to be presented starting out as having to deal with this crippling fear. We don't know quite what caused it, but we know the lodge triggers it. And uh, we will, of course, explore what her fear is. And we'll see uh, if her challenge, one of her challenges throughout the book will be to see if she can conquer this fear if she can keep panic episodes from happening especially in proximity with this lodge so which character are you excited for readers to read about and why like i said i've got there's a bunch of characters in here i like but it's interesting jp the uh, the one that's probably my favorite And having listened to some of your other podcasts, I was able to kind of prime myself for this. And the answer surprised me. There's a character named Glenn, Glenn Washington. And he's an African-American cop who is Ed's uh, ex-partner. They used to both work on the LAPD as uh, police detectives. So Ed is retired. Glenn is still working. 
And uh, he just had a bit part in the novel. I'm a, I'm a plotter who allows himself to, to go pantser if I have to. Glenn was a character that caused me to have to do that because I really liked him. Sometimes you, I just, sometimes, I don't know if you felt this, but you come out with a character, they speak to you. And in fact, it's almost like they're whispering in your ear, hey, I'd like to be a bigger part of this. So near the end of the serial, Glenn comes in it, to my own surprise, a lot more than I ever had planned out in my, in my, the plotter side of my brain. The pastor side just brought him in and ran wild with him because he was fun. He meshed well with Ed and Kelly, and he contributed to the plot. So I would say Glenn Washington actually was uh, my overall favorite character in looking back on it. Excellent. So you said that hiking the mountains of Big Bear made its way into this story. Can you tell us about that and other settings from the real world that appear in your serial? Sure. Um, I live in San Clemente, California, and we have, uh, that's where Ed and Kelly live. They are up in this mountain community, this fictional mountain community of Shadow Pine, as a direct result of a loss they've had in their lives, and they've had to go up there. However, a little later in the serial, they will return to San Clemente. It's almost as if they felt they were trying to get away from something, and so having lived in San Clemente almost all my life, I was able to paint that, you know, the coastal town in, in California uh, from, from real experience. The town, the community of Shadow Pine is in a uh, mountain town in Southern California also. I've had access to Big Bear, spent quite a bit of time up there in my life, which is a, a Southern California town. This is, Shadow Pine is a much smaller version of Big Bear, but hiking up there and kind of going off in the woods by myself and ruminating on plot lines definitely inspired me in regards to uh, this book. So you've mentioned some of the, the horror elements that we'll be seeing in this serial. What sort of research went behind uh, looking into those sorts of mythologies and, and into the overall making of the serial? Right. Uh, quite quite a bit. It's nothing you want to write off the seat of your pants. You know that there are people that are going to be particularly interested already in, in black-eyed kids or shadow people, you know, folks that'll have read up on this stuff. So I had to actually get a little education on each one of these little subgenres that I explored. And then I tried to put a little twist on it based on where they're encountering this up in, up in Shadow Pine. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, there was, there was a lot of research. It was fun. It was a labor of love. And clearly, I, if I didn't care about the stuff and wasn't interested, you know, it wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have enjoyed that. But this is far different than the school days where you're assigned something. This is like, I'm assigning myself this. So lots of, lots of research, but I did not want to be called out by any reader saying, wait a minute, this is not what this entity is supposed to do. Yeah, 100%. So you uh, wrote a series of books called Scary Stories for Sleepovers. Is there any crossover with this serial or any influence on it? Uh, yeah, but you know, I, I wrote one, uh, one of the ones I wrote was the number eight in that series. And that was for middle readers, uh, ages eight through 12. And uh, 
this short that short story was called Christmas at Mountain, Mountain Hollow, and it had to do with a couple of kids, and they were with their family taking a vacation in a mountain cabin, and uh, Bigfoot comes around, and so it's their encounter with Bigfoot. But um, I always kind of, in the back of my head, I always wanted to kind of revisit that idea of melding horror with a mountain setting where you've got a forest and you've got these this chilling climate, you've got snow on the ground. And so, you know, I think this probably, this serial was a long thing in coming, something that was in the back of my mind. And I picked up little pieces here and there and, uh, Finally, it, it all kind of came together in this form. Interesting. Uh, is there anything you haven't explored yet that you plan to or want to, either with the serial or future works? Yeah, uh, because I've got just lots of irons on the fire. I like, uh, I love horror. That's that's fun stuff. And I'm enjoying this Kindle Vela journey. Uh, however, I've also got, uh, I've got a couple books right now out at Agents. Uh, with agents, and just to show you, I've got one that's uh, that's a um, a YA, and it's a, a coming of age novel, nothing to do with horror. And I've got one that's a, a middle middle reader, and it is uh, an agent just asked me for uh, the full manuscript of that, so I got my fingers crossed there. But uh, that's speculative fiction, you know, that's really not horror. I've been to three of the Chicken Soup for the Souls volumes um and uh i've got some other oh i've got a psychic detective too which is an adult he's a detective who can put his finger on something you've touched and he can get a single impression from it but if he can actually touch your skin he can it's like a conduit and he can figure out what you're thinking now this is fine, except it relays a little spark so the person knows what's happened. So it screws up his friendships, it screws up any love life he might have, but it makes him excellent at solving serial killings, which is what he does in the books. So uh, right now I'm working up the third of that series. Just got back a beta read on the first book. I'm gonna give that reader uh, the second book uh, in January. And then there are other little things I'm doing here and there. So, yeah, long-winded answer. Yeah, I've got other <laughs> other things I want to do. I love that. I love that uh, psychic detective concept. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Tell the agents that. <laughs> <laughs> so as a final question, what do you like most about writing serial fiction? Um, you know, if that's this is a whole brand new thing for me. I had to figure out how to do it, how to end on cliffhangers, how to how to title each episode, the author's notes. So it's been a journey of investigation and exploration. I like that it gives you a deadline and forces you to say something and advance your plot and illuminate character in a certain finite amount of space. It makes you have to keep your writing tight. You want to make sure that reader's going to be satisfied with just that little short bit you've written and satisfied enough to keep keep coming back. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us. Yes, thank it's you. Our thanks today to Craig Strickland for letting us share their episode. If you liked it, you can read the first three episodes free on Kindle Vela. The link is in the show notes. 
Also, if you're a writer, we have a companion podcast, The Writer's Serial Fiction Show, where we talk with authors about their stories and discuss the elements of writing compelling serial fiction. We want to thank you for listening to The Reader's Serial Fiction Show. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, send them your favorite episode link. And if you want to leave an Apple podcast review, we read all of them and take your suggestions. You can also leave a comment on this episode on our website, SerialFictionShow.com. Finally, we now have a Patreon where you can get Serial Fiction Show episodes early and other great stuff. We have tons of things in the works. Check it out at Patreon.com slash Serial Fiction Show. Thanks. And we'll see you next time with another Serial Fiction episode. And that's, and a, wrap. that's a wrap. We should talk. Well, also, let the right one in is like my favorite horror movie of all time. Isn't that great? It is so good. Expected thing. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like beautiful, and then they made an American version of it, which was not beautiful. <laughs> we won't talk about that one. I didn't even want to watch that one, and I didn't. So they like Michael baited. It started with a car explosion. I'm like, what's even going on? I'm like I'm done with this. <laughs> it needed a light touch, and that's what it got the original. Yeah, the, the original was perfect. And also The Exorcist, of course, is classic. Also one of my favorite. That book scared me. Yeah, The Exorcist? Yeah. Oh, the yeah. The book terrified I, me. I got the book on the shelf, and uh, he did a wonderful job on that. The book and the movie, it does the classic horror thing of building up gradually. You hear sounds in the house. The girl's mm-hmm. not acting quite right. You know, you know it all portends something much worse. And then, you know, yeah. then we can get with that, all the rest. Yeah, it was a masterpiece.